0: Let's Get to presents Go Go Astros, go, go Astros a focus on H Town Hardball. Welcome to Go Go Astros, and listen, guys. I'm sorry if I'm a little off today. Uh, the opening ceremonies it took four more minutes, and now I just feel off my game. Billy Crystal's to blame, and and I'm just I want to apologize now if I'm not as good this episode.
1: Look. If there's one thing I think we can all relate to, it's watching Billy Crystal perform and going, can't this guy wrap it up a little sooner? I've never felt more sympathetic to a professional athlete in my life.
2: I'm going to see Mr. Saturday Night in like two weeks. You're not making me excited about this, although it may be
0: like a four or five-hour show at this point. I I now want to debate the greatness of Billy Crystal. I think he's a genius. I'm a small dose
2: Billy Crystal guy. Are you really? Okay. Uh, different movies. And this is not this show. When When Harry Met Sally's masterpiece, City Slickers, great. There's some other things where it just went on a little bit too long, and then he gets into the very awkward jazz man voice, which is probably more appropriate in 1988 than it would be in 2022. So it's a it's a whole thing.
0: Okay, his one man show about growing up a Yankee fan that was great. No. Until he starts doing the jazz band voice, sure. Okay. What about uh, oh, What energy. about running Running Scared, the very first buddy cop movie? Him and gregory welcome to Go Go
2: Astros, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, the I, I know. Twenty four hour <laughs> info channel.
0: I told you. Uh, yeah, guys. Um, I mean, first of all, yeah, we could talk about the first four games of the season, but is there anything least less valuable than breaking down the first four games of the season? I mean.
2: Um. You know, I think everybody's on Jeremy Pena watch, and he was very impressive this weekend And because, you know, I feel sometimes it's our role to poke holes. If there is an issue, um, it kind of showed up a little bit Sunday in the last game. He struck out five times, which in and of itself isn't a big deal, except that the Astros kind of pride themselves on not striking out, making contact. That's their offensive approach. And I'm not holding five strikeouts against him because Altuve, who is having a much worse start to the season, also has struck out five times. Chaz McCormick has struck out four times. But Jose Altuve has a track record where Jeremy Pena does not. And my concern is, based on the last couple of at-bats I saw, he might not see a fastball again for a while because his strikeouts are on breaking balls, down and in, and he can't lay off them yet. Some of that I'm sure is, I'm in the major leagues, oh, my God. I'm going to swing at everything. But there's got to be some growth and development there. It's a very minor concern, and I feel like we're nitpicking a 3-1 start and a guy who has been very impressive in four games, but that that that's, that's my nitpick.
0: Brian, the thing that impressed me the most about him was how lost at the plate he looked Thursday. Like, it looked like he went up there to swing three times so he could sit back down. Like, that was his goal. Versus, <laughs> and I know what Andy's talking about, like, it looked like when Serrano started seeing curveballs for the first time, but – I do think you saw him already saw him maturation from Thursday to Friday. Agree.
1: And, uh, you know, to and Andy's point, if you look at his AAA numbers in 2021, his strikeout went run up and his walk rate went down. Now some of that is of course he's facing better pitching in AAA than he'd faced previously in a ball. And he's going to get the same thing here. He's facing, you know, better pitchers than he did at Sugarland last year. But some of that is an approach change. I think that he's selling out more for power uh, he had really good power numbers in AAA, and he had really good power numbers on that swing on Friday night, and uh, I don't think I've ever made my mother, my mom, I don't think I've ever made my mother as excited uh, in any moment as uh, Jeremy Pena made his mother. Uh, when she was uh, screaming, watching that home run with a microphone
2: right there. I mean, what an incredible moment, I mean, just the, having his parents His dad, a former major leaguer, his mom has has probably been through all of that ups and downs with the father. And then to watch their son, they're doing their first interview. He's playing his second game of his major league career. While they're talking to mom and dad, he hits his first career home run. And the the joy, I mean, just the pure joy. Mom was excited, but you could see the pride in um, Bravo's uh, face. Just, I I think he was fighting back tears at some
0: point because he was so happy. I, I love that too. I love that mom became a mom in that very moment. Like yep. it was, you know. And I was thinking about this, and it's something that that I've I've actually been thinking about a lot lately. About you know, of all the sports, you go, it, to, if you make it to the major leagues, you got to thank mom and dad because that's a lot of weekends of travel ball. That's a lot of stuff, and it, it's got to be. You know, Geronimo said in his interview he was more nervous for him than he was himself.
1: Yep. Yeah, because when you play, you're playing. And you, hey, it's different here, but I know how to play baseball, and it's just like playing on the sand lots of Providence, Rhode Island, and on the baseball field at Maine, and at Sugarland, and all the minors. It's just a little bit bigger deck on the stadium, and if you can think that way, that's fine. But we all know this as parents, being able to control what your child does and, you know, living vicariously through them is a heart-wrenching experience. And that was a joyous, heart-wrenching experience for the Payton family.
2: Yeah, uh, having three dads sitting here talking, because, I mean, obviously we're three dads because we have opinions on Billy Crystal at all. Um, For our fashion segment later. Yeah, the emotions that you carry for your kids are completely different than the emotions you carry for yourself. And it's easy to compartmentalize your own performance versus a lot of things. It's really a lot more difficult to compartmentalize all the hopes and dreams you have for your kid and the hopes and dreams that they have that you carry with you. So, I mean, it was just, it was an incredible moment. Um, and it's one of the things that makes baseball great. And I know you could in theory see a, a quarterback's parents being interviewed during an NFL game, but I don't remember the last time that's actually happened because NFL, NFL games NBA games don't lend themselves to the in game interview to begin with.
0: Well, and also, too, I mean, I think to your point, the baseball's different because it's such a nothing's happened and then everything happens kind of moment, right? Like you go from, all right, you know, it's a decent, that bad, to all of a sudden the ball's over the fence. Like it's, it, and I think it's what makes baseball so cool is the start and stop nature of it.
2: Well, you also have to worry about,
0: you know, what you're cheering for in the NFL. Hey, my son broke his first leg. All right. All right. I I will say though the best thing about that home run during that interview is it saved what was a god awful interview from a god awful field reporter. It's almost like she had a three minute class on baseball before the game started. It was it was very oh and understand you also played in the majors yeah maybe you should know that for sure when you walk up there and, and give the interview.
2: I, I thought it was interesting. Um, I don't based on Twitter reactions. Um, I guess I should first say, I like the concept of the Apple TV broadcast. Uh, yes, it's not free TV, but it's as free as you're going to get a streaming service to provide a game that um, I think is necessary to grow the game, to put the game on different channels. I like the game of the week concept. I like the fact that it wasn't necessarily Yankees Red Sox that they were forcing down our throat. Obviously, it was Shohei Ohtani, and they were really hoping he was going to do something, um, which he didn't all weekend. Fantastic. But um, it felt very much like Apple got this deal sometime during or right after the lockout was ended and then had to throw together a couple of broadcast teams because the broadcast team in the first game wasn't great either.
0: Yeah, yeah, Um, exactly.
2: And then you get Hunter Pence, Katie Nolan, Stephen Harris, I think his name was. I mean, but he he lists his IMDB credit as actor. So it's not even like sportscaster or something. He kind of does college ball on the fly kind of working for mlb network sometimes but it's not obviously his first gig and then the chick that you're talking about um it was a very it was like four people put in a room who had never met each other trying to fill three hours of airtime. so it was there was a lot of room for improvement i like the concept but the execution was really really bad
0: brian you said on twitter and i think i think it was you that said this on twitter and i really agreed with you i thought the production style of it i thought The way it was shot, I thought the minimalist graphics, you know, now it's an abundance of information. It really felt like the game could be the focus of the broadcast.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I wasn't very enamored with the broadcast team. I share several of Andy's comments, but some of that was because we got essentially the team, the, the team built around comedy. You know, we, got essentially a com- we essentially got a comedian in Katie Nolan. She's um, focused on sports and knows a lot about that. And Stephen Nelson wears a Hawaiian shirt in his Twitter profile. So, okay. you know, Nelson. Sorry. You know and, and again, it's just that isn't what I'm looking for in a broadcast. I don't have a, you know, I'm not negative on that in the sense of, you know, I can't believe they did this. It's that not for me, not my style. We all have different things. The thing that I was, if you follow my Twitter, I was most talking about. Argument- is they kept having these on-base probabilities that they put very nicely in a minimalist style and would be very useful, except it was obvious to me they were completely wrong. I think at one point they had a (laughs) reach-base probability for Martin Maldonado of 39%,
0: um,
1: which literally cannot be true even when there's a 3-0 count to Martin Maldonado, um, as good an eye as he has. Um, Though he did walk twice on Sunday, that's always fun. so I don't know what was going on there, and I don't know why they kept putting that up there, and there was no explanation. And certainly this wasn't the crew for it. Um, The other crew is led by Melanie Newman, who's a play-by-play radio for the uh, Baltimore Orioles. And yep. she's someone who I'm optimistic about, someone who will grow into being a pretty good uh, play-by-play player. And
0: – at one point frequent guest on this on our other show let's get to friend of the show so congratulations to her you know it's funny because you mentioned i'm the guy who really liked dennis miller on monday night football so i am not sure how much i have a, a dog really in this fight yeah. before we get to the thing i really want to talk about though um you know i know like like you know I, first of all i think dusty actually the, the internet was mad but i thought dusty actually massaged the lineup really well, giving people days off. I don't necessarily like how many days off we got that that were given off, like with with Yuli being gone. But I, mean, I think it was the best of both worlds to give guys rest and be three and one. Andy,
2: my my only hiccup with Dusty's roster management is batting Nico Goodrum third on uh, Saturday. That 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 you have Kyle Tucker batting sixth. You have Nico Goodrum, who is not a young player. Who has never hit in the major leagues batting third in a game that you should be trying to win? I know it's an April game and they don't matter that. That just is mind boggling to me. Um, but it's Dusty. He didn't murder any relief pitchers this weekend.
0: So I'm going to take that as a win. Uh, but he did do the Javier thing where he pulled him after an inning in third, Brian.
1: Yeah. Um, lineup effects are overrated. I still check the lineup and think about it and write about it on Twitter most every day. Um, and, you know, they don't have that much of a difference. Um, you know, and Dusty really seems to believe that players perform best when they're, he thinks Kyle Tucker performs best if he comes to the ballpark every day and knows he's hitting in the sixth hole and doesn't really have to check the lineup card at all. I've never heard any sort of deep explanation of this from Dusty, and I'd love to get more sort of a thought to that. He was asked yesterday about like, Tucker getting six and he gave sort of a general comment on it and not sort of to the specific of why don't you move him up instead of batting Jose Siri lead off since, well, Tucker's more likely to get on base, but Hey, um, yeah, these effects are overrated. And uh, when your pitching is as good as it was for the Astros this weekend, well, lineup discussions are just about getting mad online.
2: Yeah. And I don't, I, I certainly don't want to be- hold
0: on, but Yeah, the pitching was great. And in one game, you lost two to nothing. Maybe if you're not leading off with an automatic out in the game, you don't lose two to nothing, whatever. These are still professional athletes. And I am of the opinion that if you're going to take a knee on a game, you don't put Nico Goodrum and you, you, at least for that game, you move everybody up because guess what? The result can't be any worse than it was, which was zero runs, Andy.
2: Yeah, I I hate to be the guy arguing about the 26th man because that's what this conversation ultimately becomes. But it's Goodrum's concerning um, not a first baseman, so there's no defensive plus there. He's a middle infielder by trade. Um, He's not a particularly good middle infielder that I recall, um, and I think we more target him to back up. Shortstop when we needed to, when Alidmus Diaz needed a breather, if Jeremy Pena didn't work out. I mean, that's kind of the level of player that we're talking about. Um, He only got two starts because – He's in Robel Garcia's roster spot. Yeah, and that's what I mean about talking about the 26th player. The problem is, Dusty, the way way he doesn't use relief pitchers, he likes to keep everybody on the bench involved, which I guess is great if you're a player manager – but it just seems to me, to Jim's point, that there is a better way to construct the roster than he chose to on Saturday. And for my mind, and I know this is completely just emotional, you've got Justin Verlander making his first start in two years. You want to provide him some offensive support, and you put the weakest offensive lineup you could put out there in support of him. Uh, and to me, that it's just it was just weird choices being made. But that that is. If Dusty Baker's your manager and your first baseman's wife has the inconsiderate um, method of having a baby during the first series of the season, I guess that's what you're going to have.
0: Well, and we did mention before we jump into the topic, I really want to talk about, you know, we did talk a little bit about Altuve's struggles. Um, I know that he's been intentionally working to hit the other way. I still think that's what he's doing when he goes up there. I'm not terribly worried about, to your point earlier, Andy, uh, Jose Altuve's track record speaks for itself.
2: Yeah, and Tuve is one of those players, and maybe it's less so now because he's in his 30s, but if you tell him the team needs you to hit for average and get on base, that seems to be what he tries to do. If you tell him the team really needs you to generate more power and knock in runs, that's what he tends to try to do. And so he always has these little spells, not necessarily at the beginning of the season when it's very highlighted, but he'll have little spells where he doesn't get hits. Every major league hitter has that but it looks like he's working on things. And to a point that Dusty Baker made, this would be the fourth week of spring training Mm -hmm. um, in a normal season. So there are going to be some guys who are still working on things. Uh, I just, you know, I don't love it that it's, it potentially costs us wins and it didn't really this weekend, three one coming out of Los Angeles with a team that really wants to try to win right now. They're really close to the Astros, Brian. Did you know that?
0: I mean, sure. alphabetically, that's fair. They are yeah.
2: alphabetically,
1: and uh, you know, um, you know, I mean, the Astros have had winning seasons each of the last uh, five years, and the Angels haven't, so they're close in some sense, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, but if you're if you're Madden, what do you tell your team? We're, like, we're way way back. We have three yeah. players that are worth anything, and then we have six guys we have to put in line up because we're required <laughs> to play nine. <laughs>
0: Cause we're yeah, to Mayfield
2: cleanup hitter is uh is
1: something.
0: Yeah, I didn't know the I, I uh checked in on the game after I we had gotten home from Corpus, and I didn't realize the Astros were losing until I saw McTaggart's tweet that said uh all these former Astros homered yesterday, and Mayfield was one of them, and I was like, Well, crap. But again, um I sort of was going into this series hoping to for a split because it's on the road and and da 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 and I was really happy with how the p- pitching staff performed from top to bottom. So I'm and I'm love the new addition. I mean I'm I'm new addition. Remember that? I'm all I'm hey, cool I'm it the now. There. Yeah, cool it now. I'm gonna get on the phone to the Mister Telephone Man if we're not hurrying. But listen, guys, um, I am the minor my minor league baseball heart saying yesterday. Because I love alternative uniforms. I love different looks. Um, and the, I think the Astros, easily the best, if not top two, City Connect uniforms. We're going to put them up so everybody who hasn't seen them yet can see them now. Uh, it really could not have been better designed, in my opinion. I think them and Miami really are the two best. Uh, Andy, what did you think just when you and I had been anticipating this? So, what, did, yep. what were your thoughts? We love the drip campaigns. Um, what is that? Is that the hat? Is that the letters? I don't know. <laughs> Let's speculate for thirty minutes. Um, it's like it's a Spider-Man No Way Home poster or
2: something. Yeah, it, it, it's. Uh, I, I like the. I like the jerseys. I do not like the pants because I do not like monotone. So I'll get that part out of the way. Um, they appeared to be darker than I think they actually are in reality. I think the hats are a little bit brighter blue than the Astros currently wear, and a little brighter navy. Um, the graph paper sleeves, uh, the plotting sleeves are a little bit more pronounced than they were in the initial drips. But overall, I think it is a very nice representation of what NASA and the space program have meant to the Houston area and kind of vice versa. So it's a it's a nice marriage of those two things. It's throwbacky enough to reflect some of that stuff, but it's moderate enough that honestly there's a couple of elements that if you took it and said this is your everyday uniform i'd be pretty happy with it um, what, one of the, the things hats, that i had the hats to- do it the, the hats are the best part for me that that's yeah or the orbiting piece around the traditional astros h star that that's that's the piece that i'm always going to take
0: yeah and i will say um and we they have the 3930, so I have that and the 5950 coming. Oh, you got both. I just got the 3930. So no, I was everyday wear and one for the shelf. That's true, true. I might have to rethink things. No, but I, I agree. And I, and we had talked about this, Andy, that, uh, and we'll get to Brian in a second, but I was hoping they would take some nods from the Space Cowboys look and the use of the gradient. I think they really did. And I thought, again, Sharp. Brian, overall, what did you think of the look?
1: I, I you know. I share Andy's uh, belief that sort of the uh, the pants don't care for the monotone, but I do like having the numbers on, a, on the pants because that is a throwback to the original tequila sunrise uniforms, uh, the Astros in 1975, which had the numbers on the pants and they went away from for some reason. That is uh, a very sort of distinct thing. What it's a really nice blend of, um, and I've already ordered the hat. I'm big and tall, so I can't order the regular stuff, but I've already ordered the hat, so um, that's as in as I can get. And on the stuff um but it's a really nice blend of you know i loved it when we went back to orange and got away from the uh the, the blood and the mud uh pinstripes because the astros Man, always the astrodome is always sort of we are the team of the future we are not a traditional team and it made no sense to me for us wearing the most traditional baseball uniform pinstripes as opposed to wearing you know orange and being what people in the 60s thought the 90s were going to be um, this is, you know, the sort of look here. What's really nice here is that this is what I really like, particularly like with the font, with the NASA A without the without the bar across, is it's both very much a throwback, as Andy said, to the 70s and 80s, but it's also not entirely just a throwback. It's something I think that works very well today, and they did a nice job of blending that,
0: and Andy's absolutely right. The uh, the logo on the hat is very, it's very nice, and they may use that more. I, that, I mean, that might be my go-to Astros hat that I wear nine times out of 10 now, for real.
2: Well, that's uh, it, it goes to a deeper theme. Uh, you know, one of the biggest concerns I've ever had as an Astros fan is when uh, Drayton decided when we were moving to Minute Maid Park that everything was on the table and that he was considering changing the name to Engineers or some other thing to really highlight the train theme. Um, I, I would be perfectly happy if Minute Maid Park and I don't have anything against Bobby Dynamite, fan of, the, fan, fan of his work, but that train could disappear and it could become a rocket ship and you could put the grounds crew back in NASA uniforms and I would be the happiest person in the world, helmets and all. Um, because that, that to me is the unique thing about the Houston franchise that isn't like the rest of the baseball teams. We were supposed to be the team of the future that, and yes, AstroTurf was a necessity because we didn't plan for loose site, killing grass, painting over loose site, killing grass. And just a lot of things weren't thought out well, but the answers were thought out. Well, it's too hot and humid here. We're going to have our dome stadium. We can't grow grass. We're going to have Monsanto come up with AstroTurf. We're going to be a speed team because we can't hit home runs because of the dead air in the, in the stadium. And That those kind of things and the touches that Hoffines had on the on the franchise that still continue to this day, I want us to do more of those things and that I think that's ultimately the nostalgia piece, and I did just get finished watching Apollo 10 and a half which incredible if you like animation like rotoscope, but it's that same feelings it makes me nostalgic for a time I wasn't even alive during. I think that's what one of the things Richard Linklater does really, really well. The Astros do that for me as well, even though I've been alive for most of their existence. So I want more of those things. I want more of those touches. I want more of the adoption of NASA and the space program and space theme everything. There's no excuse for us not having the best Star Wars night in Major League Baseball. There's no excuse for not having NASA really involved in throwing out first pitches multiple times a year and really highlighting that program and that relationship between the two entities and whichever
0: astronaut narrated the video needs to narrate everything from now on i was i was ready to run through a brick wall after that um you know it's funny because one of the things i love about doing this show um is the fact that all three of us are older astros fans and i can remember um the change to the mud and blood was right about the time my Army career was really involved. I wasn't living in anywhere. it wasn't even living in Texas. I was overseas for a big part of it. And that look, I never felt connected to. And when they went back to this, it almost felt like being home again. And I felt like this was a nice evolution of that. Brian, what are your other thoughts on it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, back in the mid-2000s, you'd see people wearing pinstripe jerseys with Clemens or Pettit on the back. And if it was the cheaper knockoff jersey, you'd have to look and determine which team they were cheering for. Don't want to do that. Don't want to do that at all. I want to have a distinct look and a distinct color and the pinstripes is somebody else's. And uh, orange and that bright orange and sort of futuristic and sort of the space thing is is the Astros. It's Houston and it's very much, um, you know, it's what we grew up with, right? and that's, I think, part of the nostalgia for all of us is that we grew up in an era where the space shuttle was going and sort of Houston was, you know, you know, I'm a, I'm a big believer that uh, any high school student in Houston should not be able to graduate unless they can successfully answer the question of what was the first word a human said on the moon,
0: yeah. which as
1: we all know was Houston.
0: Houston. Uh, you know, it's funny. Um, I, Andy, you and I are also big fans of that mid nineties look. And I think even that felt futuristic and new and And I think the misstep was maybe doing not doing an orange star instead of the gold one. The thing that I always thought of, remember back in the 80s when you'd watch an old sitcom, they clearly couldn't get the rights to a beer company. So they would drink a can of beer. Yes, that is what those 2000s uniforms looked like. It could have just said baseball team and it wouldn't have changed. Thing And it was just nice. Again, it was nice to get back to the. But it was every touch
2: of that era that Drayton decided we needed to redo on everything because his marketing people sold him on it because we're going to sell new jerseys. People are going to come to the stadium, blah, blah, blah. Junction Jack, I think, is the emblem of everything that was wrong (laughs) with that era because literally Junction Jack could be a mascot at anything. There was nothing baseball or Astros specific about him. He could be opening a grocery store. He could have been for a pizza chain. He Use could Used car been, dealership? Yeah, I mean, he could have been a high school mascot. It wouldn't have mattered because it's just a random rabbit in a jersey. Orbit, at the very least, and I, I'll go back to Chester Charge. You want to make those jerseys perfect for me? Chester Charge goes on the other sleeve. I don't know what that bean was. I don't really care what that bean was. But that bean was my childhood.
1: <laughs> All I know is Chester Church didn't wear pants, and for that, he is a king.
0: <laughs> well, I think that's the best way to end the episode. We will be back next week with more Go-Go Astros. All right, guys, uh, big series with Seattle, um, fun series, always fun to play Arizona. So hopefully we're going to keep this moving uh, and keep winning spring training, everybody. Go Astros! Go Astros! Go Astros!